This podcast is brought to you by the Samuel Proctor Oral History Program. Founded in 1967, the program has developed into one of the largest oral history archives in the nation with more than 6,000 interviews. We are dedicated to gathering, preserving, and promoting histories from all walks of life. One community, many voices. In Cleveland, Mississippi, parents face a drastic problem as they fight for their children's education. With a population of only 12,000, Cleveland is a town divided by the railroad tracks that once ran through it, defining them as either the black part or the white. And the schools here are no different. More than half a century after the Brown vs. Board of Education case and the Civil Rights Act, the schools of Cleveland, Mississippi are still segregated. Although the schools reside within the same school district, meaning the resources should be equally distributed between the two, the white school has historically had the upper hand with better equipment and facilities for the children's education as opposed to the black schools. The fight for an equal education has been part of this town's history since the Civil Rights Act. Today pushing this cause is Pastor Edward Duvall. I was able to speak with Pastor Duvall briefly one afternoon. Unfortunately, we were only able to speak inside a busy restaurant. However, the history he tells of this cause is shocking and worth retelling despite the audio's raucous background noise. Up until 1972, or 71, uh, they had a court order to desegregate. And so they started making that transition trying to desegregate. And so what they did was they desegregated the uh, teachers. They took some black teachers from the east side, which was the best teachers, and took them over to Cleveland High, which was the white school, and they sent some, uh, sent some of their teachers over east side. But uh, that didn't really last long because uh, the white teachers they sent only stayed maybe about a year or two, and they kept mostly all of the black teachers that went there. And so we still were still not segregated. Um, maybe about 10% of the kids were black went over there at that time, too. So the schools have been pretty much uh, segregated for a long time. And, uh, and I think it was 1989 when the Justice reviewed the order, they found out the school was still not desegregated. And so they came up with some different plans to try to attract white kids Over the past 50 years, the school board has tried various plans to no avail. The first plan of transferring teachers from one school to the other, along with a small percentage of students, still left one school superior over the other as the teachers transferred between the two schools were not equal in their quality, thus hurting the black school by taking away their best teachers and replacing them with less adequate ones. Over the next couple years, those white teachers began to quit, leaving this already disadvantaged school worse off than before. About every 10 years, the courts were apparently checking to see if any progress had been made in Cleveland. And although none had been made, the courts were not reacting too harshly. I think they would keep reviewing it every 10 years to see if they had uh, uh, fully integrated. And so what would happen is Cleveland School District would do something uh, that makes people on the east side think that they are... Uh, 
hidden something, people are going to complain, and then they'll submit the plan and say, this is what happened, and, and it should suffice, and then the Justice Department wasn't doing their part. They should have been more involved and, and say, hey, look, if you all have not complied, then you all shouldn't be getting no credible funds. So, but the Justice Department has failed. And so every 10 years, they'll do something more. And, 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 and the problem was, we wasn't informed. We really didn't know that that this was really going on, that the Justice Department, and so the community was ignorant. The community didn't know how to fight back against this. To many, it was just a part of life in Cleveland, and there wasn't anything they could do about it. That all changed with Margaret Block. Recently, maybe about eight years ago, uh, Margaret Block, she, she got involved, and she was, uh, and the reason she got involved, because we had a, we had a school, uh, uh, elementary school that had mold, and it had, uh, it was unsafe. The building was coming and it was just unsafe for the kids. And so her concerns was uh, for the health of the kids. And so she had to get the Department of Justice to come down here. And uh, and they got involved. And they eventually built a new school, elementary school. But they also revisited that order about the school was not being segregated. They had not obeyed the justice order. And so, and it was Margaret who kind of got uh, uh, people involved and got them to look at that and reevaluate that. And, and that's when uh, uh, the Justice Department began to, uh, you know, gave them another order say, y'all have not desegregated after about 40, 50 years. Margaret Block, who recently passed away, was a beloved activist for civil rights and was involved in the fight for over 50 years. It is her work and its momentum that Edward Duvall continues with in his fight today. But up until this point, the community didn't even know how bad this school board was, or that the courts had ordered action to be taken. As Margaret Block drew attention to the community's issues, people like Pastor Edward Duvall got involved and tried to speak out against the school board at their meetings. But without knowing the inner workings or bureaucracy of the board, this work started slowly. Uh, we have, we just not made to the point about we were finding out that we got right to go to the board and speak. They wouldn't let us speak unless we was on the agenda. And, and even if when you was on the agenda and you go speak, they won't say anything to you. They'll listen. Okay, your 10 minutes is up. Uh, we'll get back with you. Then they may get back with you, they may not, you know. Uh, but they, they would talk about anything, especially if anything that's dealing with consolidation. Uh, but we just now found out that uh, we don't have to be on an agenda to speak. That we can go, they're supposed to have a sign-in roster, we can go sign-in, and we should have five minutes to speak and address the board about anything we want to address, you know, within five minutes. And, uh, and they have been in violation of that's their own policy. And so we have wrote to the uh, ethics commission, Mississippi Ethics Commission, and we have complained about it. And so we're in that process now of rebuttal. You know, they have wrote them, and now we got to write a rebuttal showing how they have violated their own school policy.
However, much of the community remains uninvolved. A lot of times, uh, they're not going to get involved until at the end. When they see everything coming to petition, then they'll come complaining. You know, and so it's, it's kind of hard to get them involved because, you know, this has kind of been going on so long. So they may say, hey, ain't nothing going to happen. So, you know, waste my time. And so I think they're not really going to kind of get involved until they really begin to see that ball moving. So, hey, this is really going to happen. We need to be involved, you know. And who can blame them for feeling disenfranchised? The cards have consistently been stacked against them. As of now, the school board of this district is made up of five elected members, two of whom are black women who try to represent the problems the community faces. However, the board has a majority and actively works to maintain the status quo. When they come to the meeting, they have already had a meeting. So they meet before the meeting, so when they come, they already got their agenda. They already know, hey, you signed this here. Y'all vote, vote for this here. And, you know, if she hadn't had time to study it or nothing, and so, but she realized that what she's up against is that they have already voted and already have saluted on what they're going to do even before they get to the meeting. Cleveland's segregation recently hit national news back in May this year when the district court ruled that the school was still segregated and its system unconstitutional under the Brown v. Board of Education Supreme Court case. In her decision, the district court judge, Deborah M. Brown, said, quote, This failure, whether born of good faith, bad faith, or some combination of the two, has placed Cleveland in the unenviable position of operating under a desegregation order long after schools and bastions of segregation like Boston, Jackson, and Mobile have been declared unitary. More important and of far greater harm, the delay in desegregation has deprived generations of students of the constitutionally guaranteed right of an integrated education. Although no core order can right these wrongs, it is the duty of the district to ensure that not one more student suffers under this burden. End quote. Although this is a great victory for the district's residents, it doesn't look like it's going to be the end of this issue. This most recent ruling comes from years of bouncing around the court system and the school board appealing similar to how they're trying to do yet again. Not only do these appeals prevent action from further happening, it takes a severe toll on the entire school district's budget. Last year, uh, 13-14, they spent over $670,000 for the appeal process. That's about a million dollars. That's a lot of money for a school district like this here. And, and they'll spend, someone said they'll spend over $30 million over the last 50 years. So they spent that much money appealing the suit from the federal government yeah. about this right. situation. Yeah. yeah, and they said in last year it was 100000 but I'm thinking it's more than 100000 They spent 600000 that year. And then last year, last year, that's when they had to go before the district court and they brought all in all of these uh, professionals and and lawyers, so I know they spend more than a hundred thousand. So I don't think they're being honest for that. And then they're projected to spend another four hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars this year. So that's way over a million dollars in three years on legal fees, which uh, 
Both the district and the DOJ presented plans to try and desegregate the schools. The courts approved of the DOJ's plan while dismissing the districts because theirs did not produce any changes. The DOJ's plan was to consolidate the high schools into one while doing the same to the middle schools. The problem is the courts don't have the power to force the district to do the approved plan, and it appears as if the school district doesn't plan to. The uh, school district was telling them, well, we can't afford no high school, no new high school. It's going to cost $50 million, stuff like that, and we can't raise no bond for that. And so uh, I myself went and found some information about how much would it cost to uh, build a new school. And so I was able to give them information that they didn't, that they should have done a research for. So building a, so while they were saying $50 million, uh, the school cost anywhere from 18 to $30 million. And this could be big enough to, you know, to have a state-of-the-art school or arts program, arts building, and uh, accommodate over what? kids, which we only have about 900, and so, uh, so we kind of gave change to dynamic. So now they can't say, so they went and researched and found out how much would it really cost. So now they can't scare the people saying, hey, it's going to cost $50 million. Now they can't go to the judge and say, well, we can't build a new school because it'll cost $50 million. Because now they got the parents. And, and I, was, I was living in all the branches. I knew that they had built a new school recently. And I just called up there and asked them how much it cost. And, you know, and found out that it's, it's way under than what they are saying. You know, and, and they've been lying to the people for a long time. And, and if you don't have facts, they will continue to lie to you. This fight is moving slowly. However, it is progressing and gaining momentum despite the appeals, efforts, and millions spent to quell the voice of this community as they continue to fight for the equal and proper education of their children.